Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. We're in a series called End Times. Now, some of these storms that come through, you think it may be the end, but it, there's always another day. There's always another week. But one day we know it's happening. Jesus is coming back. We know he's coming back, right? This is just, we know it. So what we've been talking about is how do we, how do we live in light of that? As Jimmy Knott, when he preached, he talked about a dot and, and how do we live not just for the dot, but for the line. And let me show you what I'm talking about, the timeline. This is just a very general timeline about what's going to happen. And, and it starts obviously with creation and then the fall. Jesus comes to rescue us. He's crucified, buried, raised on the third day. Then we're in this period. There will be tribulation. Now, some of you believe there'll be a seven year tribulation and the church goes through. Others believe Jesus comes and we miss that seven year. Either way, it's going to be a period of tribulation for Christians. We see that all over the world right now. Then Jesus is coming. And when he comes, everything changes. I think the service, I think it was two weeks ago when we had the theme was Jesus is coming. I'm telling you, it was one of the greatest services. It'll be in the top three as long as I live. It was incredible to celebrate that fact. And then after Jesus comes, According to the scripture we're going to read today, there's a period of time. We are in what most call a millennial reign, the millennial reign of Christ, millennial just first to a thousand years. We're not at the mall for a thousand years. That's not millennia, okay? It's millennium. And even though I may say millennia today, it appears at the end of that there's a final judgment. Okay, so just know we're going to see that in the scripture. And it appears that this period... When Jesus is reigning, there is the resurrection of the Christians. You remember Paul said that when he comes, those who are dead in Christ will what? Rise first. Then we who are alive will be caught up together with him. So there will be a resurrection of all believers. And something is going to be happening with all believers during this period of time. Then comes this when everyone will be resurrected and there will be the greatest judgment ever separating the sheep and the goats, those who are a part of his kingdom and those who are not. And then of course comes the new heaven and earth, that's heaven. And we're getting to that. We're going to talk about that. It's going to be the last of the series because what an incredible picture of heaven the scripture gives us. Now here's what I want you to know. There wasn't any way to go into this and be able to unravel all the complexity my goodness, we have people that are great, great thinkers, and they've studied this all their life, and they don't always agree, and they don't always understand everything. I don't mind telling you at the very top. There's a lot of this I don't understand, but there's some of it I do. And I want to pick the thing that I think is most descriptive of that period of time that we call the millennial reign. Now, you may have heard some terms like premillennial, amillennial, Postmillennial. Those are just references of how you see the coming of Jesus, whether it's before it, whether it's ah, meaning there's not a definite period of time, 
or post, meaning it comes at the end. Uh, I like the view that is the pan millennial. And that's the view that it's going to pan out in the end, okay? It's going to be okay. Y'all don't worry about it. We know enough. Jesus never told us anything about the millennial. Do you know that? He never spoke to it. He didn't say, okay, guys, I'm going to come and there's going to be a thousand years I'm going to reign. No, no, no. He didn't when he was on this earth. We get this from John, the apostle who was exiled on Patmos because the Roman government was after him. They tried to boil him. I mean, we stood. I got to stand last week where John lived. And I got to see a church where he founded and a church that he spent his last days in. This man was a giant in the faith. And while he was exiled, God showed him something. He said, hey, I'm going to make all things right one day. It's coming. And so I hope you're encouraged. I want you to be encouraged by what we read. Now, here's what I think the main idea today is. Judgment. Judgment. And you're going, oh, Wow, that's what we get. Ju yeah, have a great week. See you next week. <laughs> judgment. But you're thinking judgment as if somebody's getting on to you. What if you saw judgment as somebody rewarding you? Let me use another word. It's the day of accounting. It's the moment of accountability when finally you know somebody saw everything you did for him. When somebody recognizes everything you did. Guys, have you ever gone home and your wife says, have you noticed anything different about the house? You know what that does to me? I'm going, oh, Lord, help me, help me. <laughs> what, what is it? The problem with most guys is we don't see everything that our wives do. When we do and compliment them, oh, my goodness, it may, especially if, if your love language is words of affirmation, it's wonderful. Well, let me tell you, one day Jesus is going to say, hey, I saw what you did for that guy that was broke down on the side of the road. You're going to go, you saw that? Yeah, I saw that. I was in the airport in Frankfurt, and we're going down an escalator. And I look over, and there's an older lady with her husband, and they're going down the steps. But I realized because of his age, and he was very feeble, she couldn't navigate the escalator. But then she had a carry-on bag. I'm like, oh, no, this can't, that can't work. And everybody's just lined up going by him. I got off the escalator, ran back up the stairs. I said, ma'am, can I just help you with that? I, I, I'll help you with your husband or with your bag, whichever is easiest. And she just looked at me and said, thank you. I know somebody saw that. I don't know them. They spoke English, but I don't know where they live or who they are. You see, one day... This period of time is going to be when you're going to hear, well done. That's my prayer for every one of us. So we're going to talk about it. And I want us to get in position to read it from the Scripture as the Scripture teaches it, okay? So get a Bible open to Revelation 20 and look at verse 1. We're going to go through verse 6, and there'll be some portions that I'll stop and comment on. So everybody, if you're on the stream, love for you to get a Bible open and turn it to Revelation 20, starting in verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. By the way, you know who that pit's for and who that chain is for? It's for the enemy that has tried to destroy you and your family and your kids. He's called Satan. He's called the devil. And his day is coming. So good news, folks. This is encouraging. I saw an angel. He had the key. He had the chain. 
And it says he sees the dragon and the ancient serpent. Now, Revelation uses apocalyptic language, which means it uses like serpent, dragon, to refer to, to Satan and to refer to evil. So don't get hung up on the dungeons and dragons, okay? Trust me. There's meaning behind all of this. So it's not like a literal dragon. It's, he's using language to help describe them who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So that basically means that Satan is like, you don't get to do anything for a while. Jesus said, no, your play day is over for a while. Then he's going to release him and finish him off and send him to hell once and forever. Okay, so he's going to be bound for a thousand years. He threw him in the pit. He shut it. He sealed it over him that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones and seated on them were those with whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. By the way, Jesus stood when Stephen was being stoned. It's the only time in, in, in the Gospels, in, in, in the New Testament, in Acts, that we see Jesus standing. I believe Jesus stands for martyrs every time. When somebody is dying because of him and they're dying because of their faith in him, he will honor them. And this is an evidence of it. He said he's going to honor them, those who were beheaded for him. And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, that's Satan, had not received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. A lot of discussion on what that is. That is not necessarily equivalent of owning a card that has Visa on it. Just trust me. Okay, I've been down that road before. Somebody trying to convince me Visa is the mark of the beast. And I said, no, it's not the mark of the beast. Do you work for American Express? That's what I want to know. All right, let's, let's just call it what it is. There's a mark. There's some kind of mark. And by the way, you're not going to just wake up and look in the mirror. Oh, gosh, I've got. No, it's for those who willingly, willfully say, I'm not following you. And I'm following Satan. So don't wake up every day and check the mirror, okay? You don't have to worry about that. Then he says, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Who's that? All believers. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. That's toward the great throne judgment, okay? That's when everybody is going to be judged. And this is the first resurrection, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power. Second death meaning eternity in hell. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Now, the next part of it is after a thousand years ended, Satan is going to get what he deserves and you can read about it there. Okay, now let me pause and say, what did we learn about the millennial reign of Jesus this period of time. Number one, Jesus reigns. Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords over all the earth. Can we praise him for that? It's coming. He is the reigning king. Number two, Satan will be bound. Number three, there's going to be a part of the curse reversed, meaning there's going to be something that happens. I think it's still on this earth this period of time. But there's something that's going to be different because Isaiah 11 said that when Jesus is reigning over 
this earth, the child can play on the hole of the rattlesnake, on the nest of the moccasin. He doesn't have to fear. The lion will eat straw, and the lion and the lamb will lay down together. I mean, it's, it's going to be a new place. It's going to be incredible. But that's just a glimpse of what is to come, okay? So there's going to be a little bit of the curse being reversed. And then the last thing is judgments. I want to call them rewards, okay? Accountability. So I know some of you have already said, but I, I just don't like believing in a God that why, why does it have to be judgment? You wouldn't want a God who doesn't recognize injustice. You would never want to follow a God who turns his back on the injustice caused by a broken world. All through Scripture, God has dealt with stuff that's not what he ordered and not what he desired. Go all the way back to Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve fell, what happened? First thing, Eve, it's going to be tough having babies. Ladies, you felt that? You know where it came from. That was a part of the curse. Now, was God just sitting there arbitrarily going, you know, I don't like women. I'm going to make them have pain. No. It was a result of brokenness, a result of disobedience. Adam, you're going to have to, it's going to be tough. You're going to have to make a living from the soil. And by the way, both of you, you got to leave this place. And I'm closing Chick-fil-A on Sundays. Get out. You got to go. I mean, all of that is a result of something. So many people look at judgment as if it's arbitrary and God just has a bad day and he, no. God will always attack what hurts his creation. He will stand against injustice, okay? So it's like the prophet said, there's a day coming of reckoning. One day, God's gonna make all things new and he's gonna make things right. They call it the day of the Lord. Joel, the prophet, talked about it and said, the, the day of the Lord is near. The day of destruction comes from the Almighty. How terrible that day will be. And even in the New Testament, there are places where God, you see this, this judgment and accountability happening immediately. So how do we deal with that? Well, the way you deal with it is remember this. All of these were in response to brokenness and bad choices. Okay, none of it arbitrary. None of it is just bad mood. No, God's in a good mood. Trust me. It's just that there will be a natural reaction because God is pure and God is just. And let me explain it to you. When he created you, he put a moral compass in you. A compass by, by compass, I mean north, south, east, and west. Let's do something fun. On the count of three, point north. Which way you think north is? Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> We're the most confused group I have ever seen. Some of you just said, I'm going to point up. I'm not even sure. Now, directionally, I'm, it's, it's no problem. I got confused the first day I came in this building, and I'm still confused. But I can normally north every time. I tell Rachel, well, just go west. She goes, which way is that? Well, it's left of north. Where is that? I mean, you know, it doesn't. But here's the truth. I want you to see God put a moral compass in you. You know what's truth. You know what's just. Let me give you an example. When 9-11 happened, you knew that wasn't right. You saw the brokenness. 
You saw hate. You saw this incredible attack on humanity. And everything in you said, that is not right. Where'd you get that? You got it from him. That's how we're made. You take other situations we've lived through. Man, when, when child abuse happens, when sexual assaults happen on children or on anybody, everything in me raises up. Where does that coming from? It's coming from the fact I was created in the image of God. And I bear his character. And a part of that character is knowing there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. George Floyd, when we watch that unfold, Man, it had to do something to you to go, wait a minute, that's not right. When you see people being shot, just bystanders, two officers sitting in a patrol car in New York City, somebody comes up and just shoots them both. You've got to have something in you that goes, that's not right. Well, see, that's our God. And what he's going to do one day is make all things right. So there has to be an accounting There has to be a moment where we know there is going to be a reckoning. And I just want to tell you, I know you like baby Jesus a lot more than a God who judges. Am I right? We all like snuggly baby Jesus because he's just lying in a manger. Sweet. We don't like to think about Jesus judging. We don't think about Jesus holding us accountable or Jesus coming. But I'm telling you, the scripture gives a clear picture. He will come and he will make things right and he will set right the injustices of this world. Can we give him praise for that? I'm I'm so looking forward to that. But that means we've got to be ready. Martin Luther King said it this way, one of the greatest quotes. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward what? Justice. And God will make that happen. You don't want a God who ignores injustice. You don't want a God who thinks everything's okay. Nope. You want a God who really knows right and wrong and believes in good. In fact, the way I say it is that judgment is not because God is evil, but it's because he's good. And he's just. And so for me, I know that day is coming. That's what that period of time is going to be, excuse me, let me get some water. 12 hours in a plane just kind of leaves you without much voice. All right. So he's coming. There's going to be a period of judgment here. Two primary places of judgment. One, this one. Let's talk about that one first. It's called the great white throne. I want you to read with me what John says about it. As Jesus reveals it, we're still in chapter 20, Revelation. Just go down a little bit to verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky had to run away. No place was found for them. That's a cool statement. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Then another book was opened which is a book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in those books according to what they had done. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. 
Let me make it real simple. Here's an here's a outline that's real, real simple from years ago that, uh, that we used and put together. Basically, you were creating this image. That image got marred and got messed up because of sin entering the world, and we're all broken. So what do we do? We needed Savior. We needed grace. We got it. So now Jesus comes, and you have a choice. You follow Christ, and you are sanctified. He grows you into his likeness, or you resist and reject, and you continue to be separated from him. Then comes the day, by the way, that's a casket, not a treasure box. <laughs> it's a casket, all right? There comes the day you die, or he comes. But let's just say the day you die, you only got two choices. You're going to heaven to spend eternity with him, or you're going to be separated, thrown in the lake of fire, and you're going to be in hell for the rest of eternity. It's real simple. And how is that going to be determined? Right there. The judgment. So what is that judgment? Well, first of all, let's talk about annihilationism. There's a big, a lot of people, it came out of the, the East and a lot of the, the Far Eastern religions uh, talked about annihilation. Whenever you die, it's all gone, it's all over. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what any actor or actress says. This book says you will be forever somewhere. It's only a matter of which place. Okay? You're not going to cease to be. Number two, a lot of people say, oh, well, then everybody's going to go to heaven. Everybody, God's going to work it all out and everybody's going to be. It would be awesome if everybody goes to heaven. But that's a choice. And that's something you have to do. So what does it say? On that day, a book will be opened. What book? The book of life. The Lamb's book of life. What is that? It occurs eight times in the New Testament. Seven of the times it occurs are in Revelation. Now, I, I can be honest and tell you, I don't, I don't understand because we don't keep books like that. And I mean, we keep books. If you've got a business, you know what it means to keep books or even in your household. But this was something different. This was like God has your name written down the day you trust him. In fact, I'll tell you one step further. He wrote your name down from the foundations of the world. Was in that book. Does that mean that we're all predestined either to hell or heaven? I don't believe that. There's a difference in predestined and foreknowledge of God. God knew I was going to be his. God saw that day and recorded that day before I ever was born. But today I know my name is written down. Why? Because I put my faith and trust in Jesus. And you know what's cool about that day? It's like on that day, he's going to open that book. And if your name is called, you got it. You're in. And I'm so glad a day is coming when the Lord calls my name and he doesn't go, how do you pronounce that, David? I won't be called David Utah. I won't be called Dr. Ruth. That's been a really good one I've been called. Dr. Ruth. I won't be called David Ugg. He's going to get it right. He knows my name. And on that day, the only question I have for you, will he call your name? And there's a way you can know that, and that's because you have put your faith and you've put your trust in Jesus. And once you put your trust, in fact, you know what Jesus said to his disciples in Luke? He sent the disciples out and they went out and were casting out demons and Man, they were making demons obey him. And they came back and said, Jesus, even the demons had to obey us. And he said, no, don't rejoice over that. 
rejoice that your name is written in heaven. That is the greatest thing, the greatest hope, and the greatest truth today is that your name is there. You have to know, is your name there? Okay, great white throne. Let me show you another look, Matthew 25. Jesus is teaching. He talks about the last days and he says, by the way, there's going to be a day of judgment, just like we learned. And you're going to have to be accountable. And there's going to be a separation of sheep and goats, okay? So I'm going to have him put up the scripture so we can look at it. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And you're like, okay, who's sheep and who's goats? Watch this. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, what's this? For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the sheep act surprised because we will be. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see a stranger welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer truly, I say to you, as you did it, to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now it goes on, he does the opposite. If you keep reading in Matthew, he does the opposite and he says, and those who are the goats, they're going to say, but we never saw you hum homeless. We never saw you naked. Here's what's interesting. He's dividing up everybody. And there's only two categories. Sheep, or goats. The sheep are on the right. Good morning, sheep. Glad y'all made it. We're praying for you over here, you goats. And by goat, we don't mean greatest of all time. Just make sure you get the difference. He's dividing everything. And the division is based on how you lived your life. And here's what's shock, shocking about this. Both the goats and the sheep were surprised. They were shocked. The sheep were like, oh my goodness, we didn't, we didn't know we did that for you. And the goats, well, we didn't know we needed to do that for you. Here's what that teaches us. It does not teach us that you are saved by your works. That's not what that parable teaches. I got way too many verses that tell me there is only one way I'm ever good enough to go to heaven, and that's by the blood of Jesus Christ. I can't work my way there. I can't earn my way there. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, if you're an orange tree, you're going to produce oranges. If you're a sheep, you're going to do things without even thinking. It comes natural. And you're going to go, wow, I didn't know I did that for you. And he goes, yeah, you remember that day that you, oh, yes. But if you're a goat, you do what comes natural. What is that? Nothing, the flesh. And so you see this separation. What, what a week to have for Orlando. We're talking about giving money to those who are ministering in our community and joining them in ministering in our community. You know why we do that? We don't do that to get salvation. 
We do that because we already got salvation and it makes a difference in our life. It changes us. My goodness, we're an orange tree. Let's produce oranges. And that's what the sheep do. And it's shocking sometimes when we see the reaction of our Lord. So the question is, are you a sheep? Are you a goat? Have you followed him and put your trust in him? The Bible says sheep know his voice and they follow him. You follow him, you know his voice. That's the great white throne judgment. But there's another one I want to close with. And it's called the Bema Seat of Christ. Let me explain where it came from. Paul was in Corinth. He was there, called before the, call him a governor, if you please, of Rome. And two places, he refers to that place he had to stand before the judgment seat. Bema. So let me show you the verses. First one's in the Corinthian letter, 2 Corinthians. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. You see this phrase, judgment seat? That's the word bema, B-E-M-A. Let me show you another verse that Paul uses. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Are, are you, why do you despise your brother? We're going to all stand before the judgment seat of God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. I believe this happens throughout the millennial kingdom, meaning all believers have been resurrected and all of us will stand before Christ. Is it to stand before him to see whether or not we're going to heaven? Nope. Let me give you a verse, Romans 8, 1. Now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, your sins have already been judged. Your sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus, and you do not have to worry about that. But here's what you have to do. You have to give an account for what you did with what he gave you. And if you're not clear... Everything you have, he gave you. Everything. Did you use it for him? Did you use the money that you had available to help people? Did you use it for the church? Did you use it to spread his name to the nations? Did you use your time? Did you use your gifts? Did you use your abilities? All of that. That's what that moment is like. And let me show you a picture where Paul stood. This was what was in Paul's mind when he wrote that Corinthian reference especially. We got to go to Corinth this past week. I had never been there. And I knew the Bama seat was there. I'd read about it, heard about it, but I want to show you a picture. So I'm teaching under a tree. Right over my shoulder, my right shoulder, is the Bama seat. And I'll show you a little better glimpse of it. You can see it. You see that uh, looks like a historical marker? Well, that's where people would stand. Up on, that, on those rocks, it was, used to look a lot nicer 2,000 years ago, okay? On those rocks would stand the king. And you would have to stand there. And whatever it was, he had called you before him. You had to answer questions or whatever. And then there's a picture that's closer. And the word Bema has actually been found there at that spot. So what that's saying to me is there's a day for every one of us who are believers where we'll stand before him. I don't think it's going to be a day that is, let me see how to say this. 
I don't think it's a day of you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't do this. I think it's a day celebrating what you did. And then the, re <clears throat> the rewards are based on that. So, for example, you're not going to be standing there and all of a sudden your wife stands there and she got a great report and you got an F. <laughs> Y'all ever seen that little track where they say one day we'll sit in heaven and watch our mov the movie of our life? And Jesus is, that horrified me. First time I saw that, I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, no. Well, I got good news for you today. That ain't happening. I've read the book. That's not happening. But what is happening? He's going to say, David, I saw you do that. I want to say, well done. And I'm going to receive rewards just like you are on the basis of what you did. If you did little, guess what? Your rewards will be little. If you did a lot for him and you used everything you had for him, guess what? Your rewards are great. I just want to know, are you ready for that? Are you ready to stand there? Did you know the Bama seat was also used in the Olympics? It was where the, there was a name they had for him. They were over the games, over the Olympics, and, and he would stand up there and all the athletes would be in front of him and he would call a name. And that name he called was the winner of whatever event. And that winner would come up and he would give him that wreath. And so there's really several things Bema Seat can mean. It means where you receive your reward. The New Testament talks about five crowns that we could possibly get. I think they're all one. I think it's just five descriptions of the same crown. But here's my point. I'm not going to be looking at the crown when he hands it to me and go, oh, I was kind of hoping for something more. No. I'm looking at the face of the one who's given it to me. I'm looking at the one who took my place. And I just want to hear him say, well done. So what do we do about this dot today? We live it in light of that day. We do things today because we know they matter. And one day, great will be our reward. So one time we ask our kids, I'm talking about children's ministry here. What's the first question you want to ask Jesus? <laughs> I remember some of them, one, one of them said, why'd you create mosquitoes? That's a good question. <laughs> I want to know the answer to that one. But here's the one that got me. And it just, I can't, I can't get it out of my mind. A little girl wrote this. The first thing she wanted to ask Jesus did I do okay? Did I do okay? You know, I would want to tell that little girl, if that's your concern, you did okay. You did okay. Because if you're living for that moment, and if you are thinking about that moment, you're going to do okay. I just think sometimes we don't even think about that moment. But it's coming. We're going to stand before him. And so for those on the stream and in this room, number one, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Is it written? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? And the second question, if you have, are you living and doing everything you can for him? And will you hear the words, well done? Well done. Can we bow just for a moment?
wherever you are on the stream, I mean, whatever environment, just if you can, think about it. If you can't answer that first question, I know for sure my name is written. I know for sure that I have followed Christ and I know my name is written. If you don't know that for sure, can I just tell you, let me pray with you. Can I lead you in a prayer? Because the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And I wouldn't wait another day. Pray with me this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Just tell him, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming to die for my sin. And thank you for walking out of the grave so that I could live forever. Jesus, I believe in you. I'm following you the rest of my days. I'm turning from my sin. I'm turning from myself. And I'm turning to you. If you've already done that, maybe we should pray, Jesus, help me to do my best for you. Lord, I want to do well. I want to do everything I can. I want to love this city, and I want this city to know I'm for them because I want them to see you. And Jesus, as long as you give us breath, we'll take every gift and we'll give it back to you in honor and in praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.